I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. This is a weekend video for the week ending June 12, 2020. There's important stuff going on. It was an important week. The market did some important stuff. So we need to pick it apart. We need to decipher it. We had obviously a change in character, if you will, in the market. Instead of perpetually going up just about every single day, we had a pretty big crack in the foundation. So we're going to pick apart everything. We're going to look at a multitude of charts. We're going to talk about some FOMO stuff. We're going to talk about what's to expect in the upcoming week and beyond. We'll also take a snapshot of how to gauge the market going into this coming week. What if, we'll do some what if scenarios. What if we show up Monday morning or Sunday night, the market has gapped up or down. What's the story? Where are the resistance areas? Where are the support areas? We're going to actually put all that stuff on the table. We're going to have some chart lessons mixed in where we're going to have some takeaways. There's going to be some learning opportunities in this episode. It's the weekend video, so what's the first thing that jumps off not only the daily chart at me, but what jumps off the weekly chart? We're going to take a look at both. Let's start here with the daily. What jumps off the page? Let's do a recap of what happened. It's obvious from a visual perspective what happened, but we need to put some context through what happened to understand what we're looking at going forward. So finally, the market cracked. In fact, instead of finding support where it should have under normal garden variety conditions, meaning should have if it came down into the gap at 311.35. However, On Thursday, the market opened right on top of that gap and it just slid right through. So right then and there, that's a tell. The market is telling us something. It's certainly weaker than one would have thought if it was trading into the gap. We know how the 80-20 rule works. Using the 80-20 rule, under normal garden variety conditions, if the market was trading into the gap, it would have been support. The fact that the market was opening up right on the gap at 9.30 after a huge decline in the overnight futures, it changes the picture. It's a different tape. You have to be able to assess what the tape is at present and adjust accordingly. This is a real-time, get-in-the-game type of business. Just to close out that recap, if you recall... It was last Friday's low was really what our focus was on for any bearish behavior that would ensue in the market. We said, if in fact the market begins closing hourly or daily below last Friday's low, that would be trouble and we would open up the door to go fill the gap. Well, obviously we know the result. They traded through everything. But the takeaway is that doesn't change how we look at the next setup that's similar to the most previous setup. So for example, if the market's trading into a gap, we're still going to use what the normal thing is, the 80-20 rule, the garden variety stuff, what happens most of the time. We take the one-off scenarios like happened this week and we treat it as such, a one-off. Now I'm fully aware a lot of people expected the market to collapse, but they were shorting the market for the last four, five, six weeks in a row. So when you hear, hey, I just had a huge short trade, From the highs, 
you have to take that with a grain of salt because most traders that had that trade lost at least an equal amount or more money on the way up getting multiple pies in the face. We know all that. All right, all that's a bunch of bunk. It doesn't really matter. Let's go forward. What do we got on the table? When you look at the daily chart, it's pretty cut and dry. We have a pretty big, and it's a big one, a big breakdown candle. So we're going to have a few takeaways from the breakdown candle. What do we look at this breakdown candle as? Do we look at it as a beginning of a move, as a finishing of a move, or none of the above? Well, we know it's not the finishing of a move. Now, while the market may bounce for a couple of days after that big decline, that doesn't mean that that was a finishing of a move. It could have been the start of a leg down in the market, a corrective move that takes several weeks to even a couple of months to develop. That is a possibility. It's on the table. A finishing move, which is also known as an exhaustion candle, and this is something that's taught in the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader, among a lot of other things that tend to be signs and signals of trend changes. If the market was down for several days, several weeks in a row, then we could look at this potentially as an exhaustion candle. We're talking about Thursday's candle. But aside from the miniature down day from the day before, which was Wednesday, this was really the first major down day in quite a while. So it's not a finishing move. By definition, it's not going to be an exhaustion candle. So let's play umpire for a moment. What do we have? What we have is a very clear breakdown candle high. The high, we'll call it at 312. The actual number is 312.15. We're using 312 for rounding purposes. If the market were to A, open up above 312.15 on Monday, that's very bullish. If the market were to trade up to there Monday and close hourly above 312.15, that's also bullish. But under normal garden variety market conditions, Let's put in perspective where that is in relation to where the market closed the day on Friday. So 312 against 304.21, which is the closing price from Friday. So just for argument's sake, that's 80 S&P handles. Is it possible that the market gaps up on Monday morning over 80 S&P handles in the northern direction? Anything is possible. It's just not probable. That being said... That is overhead resistance, 312.15. Now we have something to look at, 312.15 is a red line. We no longer need the other line, which was at the gap. It's not important anymore. This is now important. Couple of other things or ways that we look at that breakdown candle. So after they make one of those candles, after that, the market has a tendency in many cases to trade sideways to slightly higher in one of those bearish flaggish slash bearish wedgish formations. Is that what Friday was? Is that day one of several days trading beneath the high of the breakdown candle? What that would be doing until and unless they get above the high, they're setting up for another leg lower. We've seen this happen. We've seen this develop and we've seen this play out over and over and over again. So what we're doing is we're getting set up, we're pre-planning in case the market does not trade over 312.15 and close the day, even close hourly above that spot, then we know what the case is unless the other scenario is 
We trade lower right out of the gate, and they're trading below Friday's lows into early this week. That brings up another scenario. We start looking at the gap down below 295 and potentially lower. And in terms of the downside, closing or even opening the day and trading lower, closing hourly below Friday's low is an obvious chip shot down to the gap. And then as you see, there are moving averages below that. So in effect, there's no hard and fast reason why they would have to stop at the gap if that was taking place. It's an awareness. We don't know until Monday morning. Inside the numbers, members will have a beat on all that stuff. What about the weekly? There's a couple of things that we can certainly say about and decipher, learn from the weekly chart. First, let's focus on this breakdown candle, which is from the week of February 28th of this year. This was the one that the market essentially ran back up to run a test near the high of that breakdown candle. Now, if we recall, and it's okay to throw some salt in the wound, this trader was looking for a little bit higher of a price, a little bit more stingy, and therefore got caught not being short at or near the highs. Okay, it happens. I wore the schmuck shirt. But let's talk about what else we have on the board. This week, do we have a reversal of the prior week? Technicians will make a case either way. Technically, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. It doesn't really matter. We're talking concepts. We're talking visual. We don't really need to know if somebody wants to label it a reversal week or not. We're going to see what's happening with the market. If the market trades hard down, then that was a reversal week. If it trades sideways to up, it still may be a reversal week. We don't know yet, so it really doesn't matter what we label it. It doesn't make any difference. We tend to get hung up labeling stuff. Once we get hung up labeling stuff, we remember that stuff in our mind and it sticks and we think the market should be doing something because of the label. Think of the label, a reversal candle, a doji candle, and any of those fancy schmancy names that I get emails about all the time. Harami, shooting star, rising star, who knows what they are. Hammer candle, reverse hammer candle, sledgehammer candle. Honestly, I don't have a clue what any of that stuff is. What I do know is the market did something that it always does. It does it over and over and over again. Didn't necessarily get all the way up to the top, but look at what actually happened. Let's think back a few weeks ago. Think back to any chart. Think back to any chart that we do this on, and you'll see they're all the same. Weekly chart daily chart, hourly chart. In fact, take note of what we're going to discuss here. And it's simple. We're discussing the fact that the market ran up to the top or near the top, toward the top of the breakdown candle. And what happened? It was rejected. Now keep that in mind for a second. We're going to take a little detour. There's a method to the madness with this. We're looking at inside the numbers. You can read the pre-market notes, but that's not really what's most important. What's important is what comes next. And let's scroll up a little bit and find out real quick. The early morning thoughts were pretty extensive. We're giving or laying out a schematic before the opening bell. You've got to know both sides. You have to know the concept of what's going on. We have to have a storyline going into the day. Focus on this. They need to get above. This is over here. And start closing at least short-term candles above 3075 in the ES contract, SPY 309. That should provide 
Overhead resistance F reached early and in a straight shot. Sellers should be there waiting. What's that saying? That's saying it's overhead resistance and that once the market reaches that destination, it will likely turn around and go back in the other direction. Now at the time, we don't know how much, but we know that there should be under normal garden variety conditions a reaction on the first hit F in a straight shot at around 3075 SPY 309. All right, let's set the stage. SPY five minute chart, you know the routine. Right of the vertical line is today's or Friday's activity. So here we go. The market has a huge gap up from the prior closing day's closing price. And 15 minutes into the day, the high is 309.08, and the market turns around and heads back in the other direction, filling the gap left open from the day before. Now, we didn't know that that was going to happen, but that was the prize. So let's see what else happened in the notes. So as the day gets going, 9.35, let them go for a while. They should get higher into the resistance area. Here we go, 9.40. They're basically home, first important spot. Could they go higher? A little bit, sure, but resistance up in this neighborhood. Let's continue scrolling along. 9.47, it's slow, but so far this should be overhead resistance is in fact providing a roadblock to higher prices. If they run sideways, we know the routine, that would mean there's another leg higher waiting. However, that's not what happened. The first thing we do is take a look at what our first area of support's going to be. We're going to use that to take some profit. The low of day thus far was 307.06. That was still the low of Friday, which would provide support if reached on the first hit. Same routine. The first hit is always your best hit. So what does the prudent trader do? What does the trader that's treating this as a business do? He takes what will, under normal conditions, be support. He takes that area and he says, I'm going to book some profit. Does he have to take or she have to take all the trade-off? No. You have to book some profit so that you have now what is a risk-free, emotionless trade on your hands. How does that work? Because now, since our entry price is a lot higher than we just exited to take some profit, we can have a stop in the money, either mentally or hard stop in the system, which I don't necessarily recommend. But anyway, even if it's mentally, it's a stop where we're not going to lose any money on this trade. Hence, it becomes a risk-free, emotionless trade. And then you see, as we scroll up a little bit, Pretty cut and dry by 10.07. As long as they stay above the low of day, they're just eating time off the clock. So we didn't know whether the market was going to go significantly lower at that time or not. But what we do know is what would happen if they got below the low of day and started closing candles below the low of the day. Getting below and closing at least 10 or 15 minute candles below the low would open the door wide for lower numbers. What lower numbers? Remember ES3040 from the earlier notes? That was put in the pre-market notes. And the market kind of tried to stop there briefly in the morning, but gave it up anyway. Let's continue scrolling up for a moment. By 10.15, and there she goes. As you can see here, the prize, if they continue down, is 305.30, give or take. Traders should have already booked some profit, therefore it's a risk-free short trade. How is it risk-free? Well, I just described that to you, so we're not going to reread it. 
And anyway, that was pretty much it for me for the day. You can read the rest of the notes, pause the video, you can see what was going on. But after about 11.30 or so, that's it for me, 11.15. And why is that? Why do I pack it in early on Friday, even at 11.15? That's pretty early. It was a long week. It was a pretty good week. A lot of traders made a lot of money this week. That was a pretty darn good trade right out of the gate this morning. Nailed the high basically to the penny. It was a know-when-to-fold-em type of scenario. Nice trade early on a Friday after a good week. And this trader and many traders should take heed to this. You should pack it in. Don't try and make more money into a Friday afternoon, for example. Very choppy. Very hard to trade on a Friday with light volume most of the time. Now, I didn't know whether it was going to be a wild Friday or not. But you know what? Sometimes you have to take what you get, be happy with it, move along. How about stocks on the move? We're going to take a look at these three. There were limited opportunities because the market was gapping up so big on Friday that it left stocks in float mode. So we had Lulu, OKE, which is I think the second time this week, and PVH. A lot of emails on PVH during the day. PVH. Let's go look at some charts. Let's start with OKE. 32.39. What was low of day? 32.41. Missed by a couple of pennies. That happens. A little frustrating. But again, the takeaway is, look at the numbers. After a while, you have to scratch your head and say, you got to be kidding me. So maybe some traders jumped in ahead of the number, maybe some didn't. Either way, you see the result. That was, in fact, low of day. Why is that? Because that, or in and around there, within a couple of pennies, was the destination and the reason for the gap down in the morning, the haircut at the open, they were headed to a destination. Once they got there, they turned around and went back in the other direction. How about Lulu? 290.10 was on the board. Lulu had earnings, I believe, Thursday night. So it was getting a pretty decent haircut. But look what happened. Again, same routine. Comes into the number, but comes up a couple of pennies short. 290.13 takes off, comes back into the number, takes off, comes back into the number, takes off. So do we think 290 is important? 290 and change, whatever it was. Yeah, it was. That was, in fact, the number. That was the destination. That's where they were going. Now the PVH. So here was one of those scenarios where it's half on the first entry target, half on the second entry target. The first entry target, the market only or PVH only stopped there for about 15 minutes, maybe 20 or 30, but gave up the ghost, went down to the second target. What was the low in this candle? 47.51. They didn't get to the second target till later in the day, but a lot of traders were getting frustrated with this trade. I know it's Friday. The clock is running out. You want to finish strong. You didn't take the short trade in the morning. You opted for PVH and you're getting a shit burger. Here's what I'll say. On one hand, you can see the numbers worked in the end, right? At the end of the day, look what happened. It ran right back up to the second number, the first number, 49.80. But here's what I'll say. The stop is listed on the board first thing in the morning. If an hourly close below the stop happens, you stop out. If you're not comfortable with the trade and you don't want to wait until the hour closes or you don't want to wait at all, you stop out. Focus on this for a second. It's the 80-20 rule. 80% of the time these trades are going to work out. And that is a true number. It's actually more than that. But we'll use it for math purposes, for rounding purposes. Using the 80-20 rule, these are going to work out 8 out of 10 times. However, 2 out of 10 times, they're not going to work. 
So this could have been one of those two. It was one of those two for a lot of traders out there because they didn't want to wait. They cut and run. They took a loss. I get it. You're going to lose some trades. It is going to happen. You don't have to email me 400 times. What should I do? What should I do? What should I do? It would be nice if they all worked. If every single trade worked 100% of the time. It's not a reality. doesn't work that way. We're going to have to take some losses. But here's the deal. If you keep your losses to a minimum, and we're going to lose small and fast when we're going to lose because we know where we're wrong. So as soon as we're wrong, we're out. Is there going to be a big loss here and there once in a blue moon? Yeah, it's going to happen. But it just doesn't happen that much. It's manageable. You watch these videos. You see what goes on here day in, day out, how many winning trades there are. It's redonkulous. You just have to understand both sides. You have to be a realist. Let's get back to the S&P. So what do we have? We're back to the daily chart. We want to look at some intraday charts. We looked at the weekly. You saw the case for why there was going to be resistance up there. Now, let's take notice of where we are in the daily chart because now we're going to go to an hourly. And this is what we're dealing with on the hourly chart. Look how far away 312.15 is. Until and unless. And by the way, there's stuff in between. The market has to get through every single resistance point in between current price and 312.15 in order to get into that white space area, in order to fill that gap and do the complete repair job. Are they going to do a complete repair job? Let's go back to the daily. And a complete repair job would be really getting above the high, above 312.15. You would have to say the market did enough of a repair job to say, hey, This thing may not be done on the upside just yet. They had every excuse to kill the market and decided to go back the other way. So you would have to take notice of that. Wouldn't be a complete repair job until they filled the gap, but that would be a pretty good trick if they can get above and close a day this week above 312.15. What are the odds on that happening? If we use the same thing we always used, what is it under normal garden variety conditions? Are they going to do it or not? And the odds on that they're not going to do it anytime soon. Doesn't mean they won't. It's just normally what happens, the 80-20 rule, 80% of the time, this would be the beginning of another leg down in the market or a corrective leg down in the market. And the market would have a real, real difficult time closing a day above 312.15. Could they test it? Absolutely. Will they close above it on the first run? Probably not. Remember 309 from the morning trade? Well, look at here. 309, it's close enough. Here's a convergence of moving averages. Here's that breakdown candle. Here's the one that was rejected at first thing in the morning on Friday. The rest is history. If we come back up, is it the same trade as it was Friday morning? A, the answer is no. But B, there is going to be overhead resistance if coming from afar Not necessarily gapping and opening up there. That's one different story. But if the market opened here, for example, and traded up there during the day on Monday, you're going to have overhead resistance, but it's not the same as it was the first time. Let's take a different perspective for a moment. 120-minute chart. Let's talk about a moving average or two. And by the way, while we're on that topic, let's quickly go back to the hourly chart. Here's the 200-period moving average, a spike of the 200-period moving average, in addition to, and this was Friday afternoon when I was nowhere to be found, but in addition to the big fat round number of 300, a spike through that, a moving average. Here's the problem, and this is what I would have said at the time anyway. 
the market was basically consolidating down here and you don't know whether that's going to produce a big rally or not and you certainly don't want to get caught with your pants down Friday afternoon leading into a weekend. But what about this 120-minute chart? Look how they're riding the 100-period moving average. Now, we can use this imagery as a guideline. It's pretty simply put. So they're riding the 100-period moving average. It's essentially a bear flag pattern in the making, right? So you have a big down move, and they're making some kind of a flaggish, wedgish pattern down around the 100-period moving average. They're beating on it, right? So they're either going to do one of two things. They're going to continue beating on it, and they're going to beat on it to the point of submission where the market's going to crack and go lower. Or this tail candle on the 120-minute chart means something... They're going to try and rally the market, and can they get above, what's the high here? 309.08 keeps coming up over and over and over again, because that's the bogey on the upside. That's the one they have to get through in order to get to the 312.15, in order to get into no man's land, in order to fill the gap. It's one step at a time, one day at a time, one breakdown candle at a time, one break up low at a time. It's all the one thing at a time. And here's the interesting thing. When you think about time, and go back to the lazy e-mini trader course for this, time is more important than price. When I look at the 120-minute chart, I can't help but think in terms of time, what it's doing around the 120-period moving average. Now I know that on this chart, leading into Monday, the first half of Monday, should probably be important. The market will likely either break down or try and rally up past that 309 area the first half of Monday. How can I say that? Time. Time is more important than price. What about Camp IWM? Let's start on the 120-minute chart because I think this is interesting. The IWM, what we've been saying over the last several days is that it's been leading the market down, leading the SPY down. It was in advance. It was in a different position along with the transports, which we'll get to, in a different position than the SPY in relation to its own chart, but as compared to the other. Well, look what we have here. We just looked at the SPY 120-minute chart and the 100-period moving average and where it was. Now look at this one. Now they closed the day above it, but they spent all day below and the prior below the 120, pardon me, the 100-period moving average. It's interesting to see one market in a similar position on the chart, but different, yet it's not the same. They're doing the same thing, but you can see where it's in a different position as compared to the SPY. Daily chart, similar situation. We talked about this uh, in the last video. It's in a different position against the SPY. Look at the daily chart of the SPY. You can see that we're hovering on top of the 20-period moving average, but above all the rest. When you look at the IWM, we're struggling to get back above the 20-period moving average, now below the 200, into the 100. It's in a different position on the chart. It's a weaker tape. It's of note. It's a puzzle piece. It is absolutely 100% on the table. The weekly chart. Now look where it couldn't get to. Remember where the SPY got to relative to its weekly breakdown candle and the corresponding place is right here. It's this candle that we're targeting. Look how far away they came up short. Look how far they came to the top of that breakdown candle. They weren't even close. Now that's a reversal candle on a weekly basis. 
a reversal of the prior week. Why is that different? You painted the entire candle and closed below the low of the prior week. That's a reversal candle. You see how the puzzle comes together? The more charts you look at, the IWM is my favorite market leading indicator. So you can see my antennas are up now. I'm looking through all the IWM charts and I see what's going on here. I see the obvious under normal garden variety market conditions. These charts are telling us that we're probably entering a corrective stage once again in the market. Doesn't mean every day is going to be down. Doesn't mean Monday's going to be down. It's the larger picture. We're looking at a weekly chart. So we're talking about the big picture, not an hourly chart, not Monday, not Monday and Tuesday. It's the bigger picture. What about the folks down at the transportation department? They, similar to the IWM, couldn't even get near the high of the weekly breakdown candle over here. Not even close in the neighborhood. Look where it is relative to the moving averages. Rejected by the 50 and the 200 period weekly moving average that were converging right around 9,900. They spiked it, got up to 10,000, and we talked about this the other day. You can look back after the fact, and I think we talked about it in the weekly chart, you look back after the fact and you say, oh yeah, they tested 10,000, but they couldn't do it and they were rejected. While you're up there, and if you're up there for a day or two or three, you can't see into the future. You have to have the benefit of having seen this before. Look back on the chart. Look what happened before at important numbers. Go look at what happened on the day, around the two or three days around the important numbers, and how long it took a market to get rejected. Sometimes it's rejected right away. Sometimes it takes a couple of days. You never know which scenario you're up against at the time until you're in the middle of it. For learning purposes, we can use this chart to our advantage. So here's a nice big breakdown candle. So obviously the same routine. And you can see here on Friday, they tested the high. So closing daily above the high brings the market or opens the door, brings the market into the no man's land, the white space, and it opens a door to fill the gap. The gap's about 95.79. How about down below? Same routine. Close below or even hourly below Thursday's low. And you have to come down here to the uh, entrance or window of the gap. And then there's a gap fill down here, which is right on top of a 200, excuse me, 50 period moving average. Just for argument's sake, Monday or Tuesday, if the transports came into that area around 8,400 and change, that would be, if for nothing else than an intraday opportunity, that's a buying opportunity. It's right beneath a garden variety retracement, something taught in the course, lazy e-mini trader. There's a gap. There's a 50 period moving average. And when you start to get a full stack like that, that's what trades are born from. Cues, folks out in Silicon Valley. Now here's a puzzle piece also. We can already tell you there's a puzzle piece on the table because the cues, even though they had a terrible day on Thursday and same as everybody else on Friday, they spiked through the 20 period moving average, but that's all it was. It was a spike and trade away. They're still comfortably above and trending above all the moving averages. So when you just look at this market, just this market alone, you have no choice but to say, other than the fact that we had that big down day, that big breakdown candle on Thursday, may turn out to be something more, may not. We don't know yet, but just looking at this chart, there's nothing bearish on this chart. 
the trend has not changed. It's still in an uptrend and there's nothing wrong. And therefore, it must be a puzzle piece and it must be on the table. You must be an umpire calling balls and strikes. The financials, and this becomes the same routine as everything else. Everything got that dead cat bounce and then it gyrated around for a while. And all the charts basically traded in sync with each other on Friday. The XLF was really no exception. Same routine. Above Thursday's high, they can run to fill the gap. Below Thursday's low, they can run to fill the gap. Inside of Thursday, it's just a chop shop, and there won't be any clear direction. And this goes for all the charts that look like this. Until and unless they bust out in the northern direction or the southern direction, there will be little direction until they do. Smash Mouth, similar to the Qs, uptrend above all the moving averages, tested the 20-period moving average, bounced off. If they start getting below it, and this goes for the Qs as well, Monday, Tuesday, or anytime, then that changes the scope a little bit. But if they stay above and they start trading up north higher, it's a bullish market, it's a bullish tape, it is what it is. Don't fight these kind of markets. Don't fight the SMH on the way up. Don't fight the Qs on the way up. Until and unless you have a clear signal of a trend change, and I'm not saying we do or we don't, I'm just saying these aren't the type of markets that you want to step in front of. Look at how far and fast the Qs went up. They were perpetual. You had some tremendous up days as well as in the SMH. You want to pick on the weak stuff. It's very difficult to step in front of a freight train. Just look at this from this perspective. We're going to use the term rope-a-dope. What does that mean? Well, let's define rope-a-dope by using this chart. So back here on the 5th of June, they put in a tail candle. We talked about it at the time. Will that be a tail candle to send the market lower or not? They could just go sideways. We don't know the day they put in the tail candle, but what we do know the day they put in the tail candle is that it's something we need to be watching. Then they proceed to have a retracement about halfway up the tail candle, and they have a pretty volatile day the following day. However, just a day and two later, you find the market right up in the same zone. So what's the prevailing wisdom when we see that is, well, they're just eating time off the clock. They're just going back and forth at highs on the chart. There's nothing telling us that they're going to pull the rug out the following day. They just pull the rug out the following day. If you got a postcard in the mail telling you that, or you had a guy that knew a guy... Maybe it was five guys in a room. Either way, on this day, at that time, on the 10th of June, there was nothing wrong with this market. Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you? Without you, these videos are not possible. True, accurate information. We're going to pull the ripcord here. It's everything I wanted to and intended to discuss today. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app, and please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.